Hello and welcome to the Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneurs' vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneurs hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church and theology, hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological understanding, and personal growth in Christ. Today, I want to talk about superstar preachers, moral failure, and the state of the evangelical church. There's been a bunch of moral failures and high-profile pastors in the evangelical world in the last several years let's say maybe last four or five, six years. I'm not going to name any names because I think that would be counterproductive and uh, not graceful to the families and men who are involved in these failures in ministry, uh, even though they did have very public ministries and very public failures, some of them. Uh, and a quick count, actually, off the top of my head, I don't know about you, um, I can count maybe... 10 pastors, maybe even 20 in the last um, four or five years um, that I could think of who've fallen in ministry. What I'd like to address is the current state of the American pastor and church. I do believe that these failures in ministry are not about adultery or pastoral abuse or alcoholism or pornography or some other thing, although those things are very wrong. Um, and they have terrible consequences for those pastors and those men who've uh, abused those things. But these are rather symptoms of a much deeper issue that the church is facing and, and must face, uh, honestly, and come to terms with before we can ever move forward. If we ever want to be that uh, city on a hill or um, a salt of the earth, as Christ said, uh, we have to deal with these issues and think it and take a long hard look at what this the problems are not just the symptoms i want to first address personally what i faced in ministry and and secondly what the church has taken on in leadership structures that i believe are unbiblical and should change through the leadership and power of the holy spirit first let's have a look at the current state of pastoral ministry Pastoral ministry is challenging for many reasons, but most of all because you're seeking to lead people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because I want people to know Christ above all things, I'll do whatever it takes, unless it's plainly unbiblical, unethical, or immoral to lead them to him. But sometimes those lines can become a little blurred this has been what I believe has happened to many pastors, in my opinion, over the last few years. A slippery slope toward reaching people. It starts with small decisions to do the biblical, moral, or ethical thing. Let me explain. Pastors do not decide one day that they're going to steal hundreds of thousands of dollars from their churches. They decide that they will use their ministry credit card once and then twice for personal items, maybe here or there. Pastors don't decide one day that they want to cheat on their wives with the secretary. They make one decision to have a working lunch, quote unquote, 
with their personal assistant and then decide to have dinner with her maybe a few months later as the relationship develops. A pastor doesn't decide one day that he wants to topple a church with his power structure and have that church crumble under his failures. He decides to change the church bylaws to get everyone on board with his leadership, quote unquote. A pastor doesn't want to be an alcoholic, uh, but he gradually slides down that slippery slope because he comes home in the evening and wants to take the edge off when faced with these unbiblical models of multi-site and mega church that he's the superstar of. He's trying to just kind of cope with that full power structure that he has responsibility over. These are just the small compromises that I've seen and experienced in my years of ministry. Men in ministry must take measures to be above reproach. Let me give you a personal example of this. When I moved to California to become youth pastor, we were required to register our car 90 days after the day it was in California. Of course, life happens and I waited a few days too long. When asked on the form when the first day that the car was in California, because you're meant to pay taxes on it the day that it arrives or takes residence in California, I made a little white lie um, that I had been in California less than 90 days to avoid the penalty. I was so convicted that I returned to the DMV to tell them that I had lied and, there was, and that I had to pay the penalty. The woman at the DMV looked at me like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just uh, move on and carry on. Doesn't affect anything. Uh, she even said not to worry about it. Uh, but I missed, I insisted to this woman that I, as a Christian, could not lie in this way. And that I would have to pay the fine. And it was a hefty fine. But that was a powerful lesson for me. And through that and other lessons, I was able to build honesty into my life and ministry. Later on, I accidentally used my church credit card for a personal use. I actually didn't realize it. I, I just pulled a credit card out. I realized it later and immediately went to our church administrator to pay back what I'd spent. The principle that I found out at that time was integrity. Integrity means that you, what you say, do, and think are all consistent with each other. The slippery slope that we find ourselves on sometimes is very hard to discern in pastoral ministry. The Word of God gives us clear parameters and the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin and righteousness. My question to you pastors is, do you have a living, humble, needy, celebratory, affectionate, meditative, worshipful, loving, and tender relationship and communion with Christ? If not, why not? What's keeping you from it? Is your pastoral ministry keeping you from this type of relationship with Christ? Then you need to change something. Has the ministry become your identity in Christ? Or is Christ alone still your identity? Or do you give the excuse that you're not an emotional person? I understand that and I am the same way. I'm not quite an emotional person in that sense. Maybe you need to open up your personality to godly changes. Ask the Lord to make you tender, emotionally connected, like Jesus our Master. Lord, remove our hearts from, of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh. That's my prayer for you, Pastor. Now I'd like to talk about 
the current state of the evangelical church. I like to address what I also see as a systematic problems within the evangelical church in America. There is such thing as an ungodly, unbiblical model of church governance. And I believe the evangelical church is flirting with those unbiblical models. Here are some of the problems we face. Let's just go through and kind of list them. We're attracted to superstar preachers. If he's charismatic, funny, a great preacher, a good orator, we listen and good preachers gain a following quickly in our information rich culture. You listen to the podcast, you listen to his sermons on YouTube, etc., etc. Second, we're not self feeders anymore in the church. Christians have a hard time because of superstar evangelical preachers. We don't feed ourselves spiritually anymore. We look first to pastors and leaders. Thirdly, we've innovated ourselves to death. You may find that funny, but megachurch structures, multi-site campus churches, and the entertainment superstar preacher-driven ministries are the byproduct of our over-engineering of church ministry. And I believe these are not biblical models and should die with the pastors who plant them. These over-engineered and hyper-innovative churches have really created an entertainment consumer-driven Christianity. And this is why people can't feed themselves. They feel like they have to have it handed to them on a platter um, from their favorite pastor, how they should respond to God and how their spiritual life should go. They can't self-feed. And so this is a byproduct, the non-self-feeding Christian of this entertainment-driven ministry. Fourth thing I see in the evangelical world is that we overlook serious moral failure or character flaws or outright sin. For instance, uh, there was uh, several years ago a, a guy who came on the scene and they, the people called him the cussing pastor or the cussing preacher. In pastoral leadership, if they're charismatic and entertaining, we overlook those things. Ah, uh, yeah, you know, I, I like his ministry, whatever. Uh, he says some weird stuff sometimes, but or says some or uses profanity here and there, or has a serious character flaw or moral failure or outright sin. But I'm going to overlook that because I like him. Fifth, we have forgotten the mandate of leadership in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, especially in regards to empowering and multiplying new preachers and teachers. Most of those ministries on multi-site campus, I'll say a word about that now. The multi-site campus has usually one preacher preaching at a number of different campuses, and he's preaching maybe up to some of the multi-site churches are up to 20 or 25 campuses. Now, one preacher is preaching across, uh, yeah, maybe to several thousand people per Sunday. Let me ask you this question. Can a person be a true disciple of Jesus Christ and not use their spiritual gift on a consistent basis at least? The answer is obviously no. There's no way someone can use their spiritual gift, not be using their spiritual gift consistently and be a disciple of Jesus Christ. So teaching and preaching are spiritual giftings. So if a pastor on a campus or on a, on a consistent basis who has the gift of preaching and teaching is not using that gift, that is a serious flaw in discipleship. Let me give you a, for instance, 
let's just say the spiritual gifts are spread evenly across the body of Christ. Uh, about 10% in any given congregation are going to have the gift of preaching or teaching. They may not know it. They may not exhibit it. That, who knows what the situation is. But if 10% of a congregation of 1,000 people are teachers, preachers, and they're not using their gift on a Sunday because their main pastor is preaching via satellite, can that be true discipleship? Those people are not using their spiritual gifting on a regular basis because their senior pastor or their teaching pastor is preaching at that campus via satellite. My brothers and sisters, this cannot be. There are, in a, in a church of a thousand pastors, there are plenty of well-equipped incredible preachers that probably haven't even been found out yet or been been discovered because the senior pastor the charismatic preacher teacher is preaching on that campus every week this has to change and the entertainment model of ministry kind of lends to that those pastors usually have a kung fu grip on their pulpits and they need to let it go and train young men to preach and teach on a regular basis. The sixth uh, state of the evangelical world that I see is the entertainment mode of ministry has so enamored the church in America, it's hard to imagine any other way for the average Joe who is not gifted or so gifted charismatically to be seen, understood, and understood as successful. The average Joe minister may be very successful at making disciples, multiplying leadership, and planning new churches, but he doesn't have a 5,000 sermon views a week, and so we discount him as unsuccessful. We need a new ministry scorecard. I recently heard an interview with uh, one of these famous uh, charismatic pastors and preachers, and uh, he insulted almost all of Europe by saying there was no good preachers in Europe. And what is he basing that on? He's basing that on the scorecard of success. Do you have sermon views? Do you have butts in the seat, so to speak? Um, do you have uh, people attending your church? Do you have 5,000 seat auditorium, etc.? These are the scorecards we have for ministry and we have to change that. Another thing I've seen is that we've forsaken personal holiness for a consumer-driven brand of church. Look at the numbers on divorce, pornography use, alcohol abuse, etc., you name it, and it becomes clear that the Church of Jesus Christ looks nearly exactly like the world. How can we be a mirror of the gospel if in reality we only mirror the world? Brothers and sisters, this should not be. Let's have a look at Ephesians 5. It describes how we ought to walk in holiness in the church. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, or crude joking, 
which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. This passage describes pretty clearly how we ought to avoid all sorts of evil practices, sexual immorality, and the like. And so the church really very poorly reflects this image that we see in Ephesians chapter 5. I'm so sad about this current trend in pastoral failure. I don't enjoy it. I don't revel in it. I am so sad about it. And that's why I want to bring it to your attention. At least bring the topic up and investigate some solutions to systematic problems that I see. Most of all, we can pray that God would bring us back to soul devotion to Him, His Word, and His glorious church, and the proper government of that church. The hope that we always have, even as fallen pastors, and that might be our situation one day, Pastor, might be myself. I pray consistently that God would hold me and never let me fall um, into such sin. Even for us as fallen pastors, as those as fallen pastors, the immense grace of God extends even to those who have fallen in ministry. That's what's so amazing about grace. God is sovereign. And even when we walk through the fire, even in our brokenness and our failures, he is there and he will and he can restore you. He may not restore uh, some of these men to ministry. He may but he will forgive and his grace knows no bounds. This, however, doesn't mean that we can treat his grace cheaply or take advantage of it. Thank God. You know, Paul said, may I sin that grace may abound? May it never be. This is, however, the good news that is available to every man, woman, and child. It's also available to those who serve the Lord in professional ministry. He has taken our punishment and wrath upon him that we might be credited with his perfect record of righteousness. Pastor, I want to give you a warning and the warning is to me as well. Don't think that you can't also fall in ministry or fall into some sin. God is the one who holds us. He's the one who keeps us in ministry. He's the one who keeps us serving. So pray every day, Pastor that God would hold you. Pray every day that God would keep you in him and serving him. And that's my prayer for you too, pastor, that God would keep you serving him, serving his bride, the church, and serving him in a biblical way that you would serve and that you would preach the gospel to a needy and hurting world. And not only that you would preach the gospel to the needy and hurting world, but that you would preach the gospel to yourself daily and say, Lord, I come before you 
humbly and have that living, active, and celebratory relationship with the living God. God bless you, church worker, servant of the Lord, wherever you are serving, deacon, elder, church leader, that God would keep you in him and that you would continue to serve the Lord and that you would live for the gospel. I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. I know it's been a blessing to me to keep my focus in the right place on the Lord of ministry, uh, not on the success or the numbers. Thanks for listening to Churchpreneur's podcast. You can find out more information at my website, richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. Or you can also follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any other comments or thoughts, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you till next time. Take care.